You're listening to episode 30 of the Journey to Launch podcast, how one woman's side hustle is earning her six figures. T-minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. If you're a new listener, hello. If you're returning, hey, what's up? (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me for another great episode. I'm really excited about this one because... I know that we all love hearing from the experts, from the people who can really, really use their expert opinion and teach us. And I love that sort of content. But what I really, really love is just stories from everyday people like you and me, people who are on the journey to reach financial independence. Because listen, it's great to hear from the experts, right? We learn so much from them. But it's even greater to hear from people who are like you and me, because you see that it's possible. You see how everyday people are making it happen, are changing their finances, optimizing their finances and reaching their goals. So that's what this episode is going to be about today. I'm talking with an amazing woman, Tamika Downs, who I was so intrigued. I saw a post she made. So we are currently together in this Choose FI group. And I had the Choose FI guys on my podcast a couple episodes ago. So just go back a couple episodes if you missed that one. And the group is all about reaching financial independence. And she posted in it that her side business was making six figures. And I was like, what? And so I just reached out to her and I was like, will you come on our podcast and share your story? And so she came on the podcast and she's sharing her story. And I just find that stories where the person is still working, still doing what she needs to do or he needs to do to get to where she needs to be. And then also side hustling is just amazing because it shows all of us what can be done. And so a little bit about Tamika and then I'll get into some housekeeping items. So just a little bit about Tamika. She had a former career as a public accountant, but she always held an interest in finance and business. So when she started to have a family, she shifted a career in healthcare because she wanted to secure a more flexible and family-friendly schedule. And this change reduced her earning power, but allowed her to take control over her time. And that was a value to her. Now her kids are older and she's really set on reaching financial independence. So she views business ownership as one of the best ways to be able to reach FI and still be present for her loved ones. So in the episode with Tamika today, we talk about why she started on the path to financial independence and how she plans to get there. She currently still works full time as a nurse, but her business is making six figures and has bought her a life of more options and freedom. And I love the concept of her business because she's a nurse. Her side business revolves around helping people get rid of lice and that's making her six figures. And so I just think it's remarkable about the ideas that we can think of that are viable, that we can actually make money doing and also help people. And we're going to talk a bit about her background, why she started on this FI journey the light bulb moment she had to start paying off her debt and then how she started the business, like practically how she started the business, how she's running it while having a full-time job and just the importance of creating different streams of income. 
If you want any of the episode show notes for what we discussed, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 30. You can find all the links there. And before we hop into this amazing episode with Tamika, I just wanted to mention that if you are listening to this in Apple Podcasts, then please, if you haven't left one already, please leave a review. So rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really, really helps just getting the word out there because none of the podcasters are really too sure how Apple Podcasts works. But the more ratings you have, the more people subscribe to your podcast, the better. And say someone that I want to work with, like a brand or a new listener comes across my podcast and they see that there are a lot of ratings and they're positive, they're going to more likely click on it and want to see what it's about and potentially not only become a listener and journeyer, but if it's on the business side of things, maybe they'll sponsor, right? So it's really important if you are enjoying this content to support me that way. It's one of the ways that I know you guys are listening. And if you don't listen and Apple Podcasts, totally fine. You can continue to listen however you listen and share. Share this with your family and friends. So if there's an episode that resonates with you or you think there's someone in your life that needs to hear this, share it with them. And post it on your social media. Post it on your Facebook page, in your Facebook group. Post it on your Instagram, on your Twitter. I mean, that's another great way to help spread the word about Journey to Launch. Let's help it grow and grow. Now, I'm going to talk about a bunch of things at the end of the episode, so I don't want to bog it down now. I want to really hop in, but I really just want to say if you want to connect more, you can always do that by going to the Facebook group, which is journeytolaunch.com slash community. But I'll mention all the updates later in the episode. Let's just hop right into this amazing conversation with Tamika. Hey, journeyers. I am so excited to have... Tamika on the podcast. Tamika, hello. Hi. Hi, Jamila. How are you? Good, good. And I'm really happy that we could take this time. And really, I just want this to be a casual chat because as you'll find out, listeners, the reason why I invited Tamika on the podcast is because we're a part of the same Facebook community, one of the communities that I'm sure we're both in called Choose FI. And the Choose FI guys, Brad and Jonathan, have both been on my podcast before. And they're all about reaching financial independence. And so they have a very lively, great group on Facebook. And I saw Tamika post something in the Facebook group. And I was just very intrigued and inspired by her story because you mentioned, Tamika, that you started a side business. You were making six figures at this point in the side business. And I was just so fascinated because, you know, one, I just love hearing stories like this because I think this is everyone who wants to reach financial independence, who wants to reach financial freedom. They want to figure out what to do to get there. And the fact that you have started a business um, to do that is amazing. So I want to give you opportunity to come on the podcast, talk a bit about yourself. So can you please just tell everyone who you are, your background and what you're about? Sure. I'm so excited to be here. I love listening to podcasts. So this is my first time being on one. And anything you want to ask me, I'm willing to share. I am a school nurse in Boston. And I've been a school nurse for about seven years. While working as a school nurse, I noticed that there were a number of outbreaks of head lice over my years. And I also noticed that there was a group of nurses and business owners that owned head lice clinics. And last year in December, on the 14th of December, so just recently, I opened my own head lice clinic in Massachusetts. 
since opening it, I have officially reached the six-figure mark. It's been a total journey, and it's been a part of my FI plan. I know we met in the Choose FI group, and this is one of my line items is this business for accelerating my path to FI. Right. And I definitely want to talk more about your just journey to FI and this part. This is obviously a big part of it. But talk to me a little bit about how you even started on this FI journey. If you can share your age, were you always astute with your finances or is this FI journey something recent that you've discovered? I have always been astute when it comes to saving. When I look back over my past, My dad was an MBTA driver in Boston. I actually have two dads and the other one was an accountant. So I definitely have the math mind, but then I also saw my parents go to work every day and he drove a bus and he always saved. And when we were little, he told us his only words of real advice. It wasn't money rules like some people have and like my daughter and my sons, my kids have. I talked to them openly, but he said, whenever you get money, you always want to save. And it just stuck with me. I didn't know how much to save. I didn't know where to save it. (laughs) But whenever I started working or whenever I got money as a gift, I would save part or all of it. So that was always there. I wouldn't say that I'm particularly frugal or anything like that. This is the part that's come later. I made my fair share of mistakes over the years and then feeling like, oh my goodness, there are people out there that are living what seem to be normal lives, but they're saving 40 and 30 and 25%, 70% of their incomes. That's when this light bulb went off in my head. And I realized that I have a lot more control over this than I thought I did. Now, how long ago was this light bulb moment for you? How many years? It's been a couple of years. And a couple of things happened. Maybe let's see, my daughter was two when I she's nine now. So when I finished nursing school, I got my first nursing job and I was saddled with all of the student loan debt, which was about $94,000, most of it at 6.5%. I remember qualifying for a car at 0%. I remember purchasing a house with my then husband at 5%. And I did not understand how when I went to undergrad, my student loans were 2 point something percent. And when I finished this final degree, they were more expensive in terms of interest than my vehicles and homes. It just really made me question how expensive it was. And the other thing is, there's this program that you can go into. And this is the first year that they're forgiving the loans. So we'll see what happens and how many people's loans get forgiven. But at that time, you could go into the student loan forgiveness program, especially if you were a public servant, and they wouldn't let me do it. I was part-time. I wasn't making that much because I moved to a rural part of Maine. I was making maybe 20-something, $22, $23 an hour, which is a lot, but not a lot for a nurse in my area coming from Boston. And I only was guaranteed maybe 24 hours at the time. So my income, my personal individual income wasn't enough. It was lower, but my husband's at the time was a little higher. And because of our combined income, they wouldn't allow me to join this program. And I really just got upset. And that just started this anger that I'm trying to do everything right. And I felt like everything was you know, a little bit stacked against me. So I went into a pay off these student loans debt revolt, basically. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. I did a couple of things. <laughs> and it's funny because I feel like we all get this moment. It's like an awakening moment where we just get angry and we're like, we're not going to take this anymore. <laughs> and that's kind of like where the pivot starts, right? Yeah, that is where it starts. I went pretty extreme. I thought of joining the military when I was in nursing school. We had recruiters come and I had one friend that actually went in afterwards. She went active duty. She had, oh my goodness, $150,000 or so of loans or more, but they would pay off that full amount or actually it was 120 that they would pay off if you went active duty. And I remember asking her all these questions, like, what are you going to do? Will you be on the lines? How will your nursing degree work? And she told me. And so it was later and I got a clear picture of this debt staring back at me and I ended up becoming a reservist, which as a reservist, you got a bonus of $50,000 that could go towards student loans after three years. And I served time for the full six years. So that helped me pay off some of the student loans. And in between, I found Dave Ramsey and I paid the rest down. Oh, so at that point, it was about 94000 you said that you had graduated with in student loans? Yeah, I went to school three times. So <laughs> I went to school for my undergrad. I went to a public university and it was 24. And then I went to my master's program and it was 35. And I worked as a public accountant for a couple of years and then I switched to nursing. So it was another 35 on top of that. So it was a long time of schooling. <laughs> right. So at that time, was that your only debt, the student loans? Did you have any other loans at that point, like credit cards or car notes? No, I had a 2000 Honda Civic that I still had. I kept that car for about 11 years. It was after I finished nursing school when I finally bought a new car. I had a two-year-old and I bought a car sometime after that at 0%. I bought a new one thinking I'm going to keep this car the same way I always keep my cars 10 years or, or more. I bought it because we were going to have more children and I just wanted something a little bit bigger than the Civic. But I don't think I had much credit card debt. I always kept my credit cards within a couple thousand dollars, maybe $1,500, and I'd pay it off, and it would creep back mm -hmm. up, and I'd pay it off. It was later when I started to get more credit card debt. So you paid off your student loans at this point, and how long did that take, that process? When I really started to get intentional about it, and that's like a Dave Ramsey word for those of you who don't know who Dave Ramsey is, but... He's always talking about being intentional, which is that spark moment when you're just really attacking the debt. I paid about $1,500 to $2,000 a month for most of 2015, I want to say. It was either 2014 or 2015. So it was a little bit after I had graduated. When I got into the military and I knew that they were going to pay a certain amount, I kind of paid extra, but I didn't know this concept of I could have been paying it down at that same time. But I thought I did this huge step. I thought that it was enough. And it wasn't until later that I realized that I could keep going and I could do more. So eventually, yeah. The biggest part of it was you have to get your personal finances in order and you have to figure out what's coming in and what's going out. And although budgeting, I kicked and screamed of budgeting. I did not like to budget. I liked to have a cushion in my checking account and I liked to just be able to spend down to that, uh, like an anti-budget and save. I would save first and then I would just bend down versus budgeting proactively. 
Okay, so you prefer the anti-budget. That's what's worked for you. I prefer an anti-budget. Okay. I actually didn't have a budget. I knew I wanted to save a certain amount. I had to save. That was my mantra all those years. So I would make sure that I would get that out first and I would save that into retirement accounts and I would also save into savings accounts, mm-hmm. pre-tax and then after tax. And then with the excess money, we could eat out or we could do whatever. And I always like to keep at least a thousand dollar buffer in my checking account. If I ever went under that, I would just not spend as much. Mm-hmm. Okay. But later on, one thing that happened was when my daughter was around four, I did end up going through a divorce. And so I was also faced with losing the second income, which was scary. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, a divorce changes everything. Um, so, so you're paying off your debt, but now you're going through a divorce. What are the next steps for you on your financial journey? At this point, are you aware of FI or you're just trying to pay off debt and you don't know that you're working towards financial independence yet? You're just trying to get your finances in order. So at that point, I felt like my finances leading up to that point were good. They were balanced. We both made decent money. I moved back to Boston. So I was making more like $80,000 as a nurse and he was making similar, but more. So we could spend, we spent. And I did have savings, like general checking account savings in the teens, just because I don't know that I spend that much. But when the divorce happened, I did not know about financial independence. And in fact, I kind of felt like I'd been sleeping. I had made some decisions that were slightly above average, and then I would just sleep. I would just say that's good enough. Like you wouldn't push it anymore. I don't know. I just left it on autopilot. So let's fast forward a bit. And like, what point now do you realize, okay, there's this thing called financial independence. People are working to retire early and or become financially independent and not have to worry about a paycheck. At what point did you find that out? So I paid off my student loan down to where I felt I needed to. I had a little bit left at 2%. And that was $100 a month. And there's so much that goes on with the debt snowball that's very painful at times. So it had been a long time of scraping and putting this money towards it. And I just felt like I needed a little bit of a break. I found other podcasters. I found the Radical Personal Finance podcast and I listened through so many. I found the Dough Roller. I found the Mad Scientist. And it wasn't until I think the mad scientist led me to root of good. It led me down the fire rabbit hole. Right. And that's when I said, yeah, that's when it happened. So I had paid down the debt and I was just back to being comfortable spending money. I wasn't doing anything radical after that one period of debt snowball. But then I found Fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been on a mission to save since then. And just to define what I want for life, how I want my time to be spent. Yeah, I actually think that would be very helpful. Like, what does FI mean to you? What do you envision that to be? Is it a certain amount of money you want saved? So the financial independence talks about 25 times your expenses. And of course, if you bring your expenses down, then that 25 goes down too. You don't need as much. So you could go from needing 2 million down to only needing 600,000 if you could live on what I consider to be very, very little. I think for me, I don't necessarily want to fire, which is to retire early at the end of reaching the FI. I think I just want the options to go part-time, 
to take a sabbatical year. In the school system, after you reach a certain number of years, you can take a year off and they'll hold your position for you. And that's one of the things I plan to do. During that year, I might pursue some travel. One of the teachers left and did rock climbing out in the Midwest. I don't rock climb, but I just didn't know that you could do that. So when I heard her say that, I said, well, I would love to just take the year off and be a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, my daughter at that point will be about 14. My youngest son will be about eight. And my oldest will be 16. So there's so many things that we could do. My daughter speaks another language, so we could go and travel and live abroad. And if my son gets into that program as well, we could do that too. And they could be immersed for a year. It doesn't really matter to me. I just want to do something. (laughs) Right. You want to have the options. And this is why this journey of personal finance and reaching financial independence, it's really about options because most people that I do talk to, whether they're on the journey to financial independence or they've reached it, most of them are not doing nothing. They're doing something. But it's about the ability to make that choice and not be a slave to a paycheck or working in a job you hate. So I think it's wonderful that you're really defining it as you don't necessarily want to quit your job or retire. You just want to have the options to take breaks when you want and focus on the things that matter to you. That's good. Absolutely. Okay, so how long will it take you to reach Phi? So I have two numbers. I have one number with the business and one number without the business projections. And my number with the business, using the business income to pay down my mortgage and paying off my husband's mortgage, we could get to Phi in maybe five to six years. I have some money that I've been saving over time. He doesn't have as much money and he's a little bit older than me, but I do have access to a 457, a 403B, a pension, and he has a 401k. And then we also have the two Roths that we could literally max all of it out for. I think I've calculated it to like 70 something thousand dollars in those tax vehicles, mm-hmm. plus, you know, pay our mortgage and everything. So if I could have the business, I'm not doing this business to buy bags and shoes and stuff. The business needs to pay off my mortgage. Right. If I don't have the business pay off the mortgage, we have considered moving our family into a multi. My parents both own multis. They're both remarried, but they have separate multis in Boston. And that has been wonderful for them and their finances. And it offsets what you have to pay in your mortgage. I offered on one two years ago. Offered meaning you offered to buy one? Yes, I offered to buy one around the corner. Okay. And we got within like $15,000 of a deal and it just didn't happen. And we were willing to do it because our portion of the mortgage would have gone down to $800, even though the price of the house was much higher. So the numbers work if I stay in my area and move to a multi, but they don't work if I stay in my area and move to another single family home. It's very high cost of living here. I think the median here is $650,000 to live in this town. Mm-hmm. So you have a plan. You guys are working together. I love how you said at first your husband wasn't really that on board, but now he's getting on board. He's kind of following your lead, which is excellent. I always recommend that lead by example. And usually the other partner, especially when they see the gains that you're making, will want to like join in, especially when you're excited about it. I know for me, <laughs> my husband said one of the reasons why he got excited or got on board was because he saw 
the passion that I had for wanting our family to get out of a situation where we didn't have options. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, let's go forward in your story a bit. You had the student loans, you paid them off, you learned about FI, you now are with someone who you are together working on FI and you're still working full time and then you see an opportunity to start a business. So can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's very important because like you said, if you're able to use this money in your business to pay off your mortgage, it helps accelerate your path even more. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So what do you want to know about that part? In the beginning, you said basically you saw a need about kids coming to you with lice issues. And so you wanted to open up a clinic, but Mm -hmm. was it a lot of money to open up this clinic? Did you have to reach back into your investments to do this? What's the process? So because I paid off all that debt and I freed up all of that cash, I first started a business with breastfeeding and I cash flowed it and I put a limit on myself. And I said, I think I have this idea for a product and I want to see if I can make it. And I read this book about this mom who created these warmers or something, and she sold a lot of them. So I used my money and I went for the maximum that I preset. And I realized in doing that, that I wasn't able to make it at the manufacturing level without sending it abroad at a price point that I could sell it at and make a profit. So I stopped doing that. And that was my first little foray into entrepreneurship. So then later, this was two years ago, there was another outbreak in the schools at a different school. And I wanted to get one of these machines that dehydrates the bugs, the lice bugs, because I knew that this machine existed from our previous outbreak at the school I used to work at. So I looked into it, I just called them And it was a little bit of a runaround, but I found the way to contact the main company. And I just started doing some research in how to get these machines. And they had recently done a shift where they require that you open a clinic. They stopped selling the machines as single machines. So I did my research. And by research, I meant I did the research into how much it cost. I wouldn't do a business that would require me to have $100,000 in cash that I would have to put up right away because for me, that's a lot of my net worth. So I wanted something that was a lower barrier to entry. And the way I justified this one was it was a $25,000 barrier to purchase this territory. And I said, well, that's the price of a car. And I would buy a car. So why not buy a business that's actually going to bring me money as an asset? So just to pause, I love that you did that. You did an analysis of, okay, I can either spend my money on a depreciating asset. So many people do that versus I can spend my money on something that is going to possibly make me a lot more money. So was it 25000 for the machine and like a lease or what was that $25,000 for? The $25,000 was for four machines, and I would be the only one that could use those machines in a given territory of, I believe, 500,000 people, which should give me a certain number of treatments a month once the business is fully going. Did you have to lease a space, like an actual area to put the machines? Yep. Okay. So there are some people who do mobile treatments and they'll go into a home. But no, this is an actual clinic and people go to the clinic. People were at the clinic today. (laughs) I was at work and they were at the clinic and I get my little alerts that someone's in the treatment room and everything. So this is a place where you have lice, your kids have lice, 
you didn't notice it, it's going crazy, or you've been trying to get rid of it for weeks, the products aren't working, you're tired, you have to leave and travel this weekend, you just need it to be done because you keep washing clothes and you're just fed up. So you come to our place, it costs a certain amount depending on which clinic you go to, and we get rid of it in an hour. That's basically the model. So is it like a franchise almost? Are they finding out about you to the home base and selecting you as one of the clinics to go to? Or are you directly sourcing the people with lice and they finding directly out about you somehow? So it's all of it. It is not a franchise, although the state of California decided that this particular company was acting like a franchise in some ways and decided that they were going to name them a franchise. So a franchise will help you find a space, build it out, help you build a website, I believe. They do a percentage of your revenues would go towards marketing that's on a national level. And a percentage of your revenue would go to them for just a royalty fee, I believe. This was not like that. They gave you some machines and then you had to figure it out. (laughs) So finding a place that wanted to have a life clinic was the first step. And I was going to places and trying to get my pitch together for why this is not something that can spread through the building. You probably have it in this building already. Right. People were walking around with this. It is not taboo. This happens. So finding the place, and I went through a number of places before I found a place, and then designing it myself, getting everything, finding the chairs, finding the mirrors, going to Ikea. There's some variation in how much people spend to get their stuff set up. So part of my business plan was to work within my budget which was not 70000 like some of the other clinics. It was 7000 So I bought chairs on Black Friday and I went to Ikea and I painted myself. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about bootstrapping and just working within your means. So how long have you had this clinic running? Last December, I opened the clinic on the 14th of December. So I did two weeks of business last year mm-hmm, and the full year this year. So it's been a full year and now you're already turning a profit. Yep. That's excellent. The initial amount, there's two things I'll say. I believe that you have to get your personal finances in order for the most part. You have to get your cash flow right before you start a business because you don't want the business to necessarily put you off track. So you have to get that right. You don't necessarily have to pay off all of your debt and then start the business. I did not pay off all of our debt. We still have a student loan, but we got our cash flow to the point where I could spend my money on the business if I wanted to. The other thing I'll say is get your feet wet and vet it out. I did that a little bit later with the breastfeeding business. And it wasn't until I went to the manufacturers after I'd already spent money on a logo and a website and started to learn how to write blog posts that I tried to vet it. And that's when I found out that the numbers wouldn't necessarily work. But the next time I did it, which was this time, I called. I called the other clinics. I went to them. I didn't pretend, but I went in. I talked to the owners to say, is this something that can really work? How much will you share with me about how you're doing? And one of the owners literally turned her computer around and showed me Mm -hmm the $30,000 for the month that she made. This is something that if you really grow it, 
and you're hitting the numbers that are out there because people walk around with lice and they can't get rid of it because of various reasons, time constraints and everything else, being afraid, all these things. If you do it right, you can make this profitable. You can make it work. And it's like that with many businesses. Right. Just curious too. So you still work at your nurse job and then you have this clinic. So you have employees who work, who run it for you when you're not there? Yes. So at first I wasn't getting many calls. So I did have my phone I had two phones and I would call people back if I was seeing one of the kids, but in between kids, if someone called, I could usually take a phone call. My husband would also keep the phone sometimes once it started to pick up so that I wasn't always on the phone at work if there was someone in my office and I couldn't talk. Now I have somebody who answers the phones. And then I have technicians that go in, they get their schedule for who's coming in at what time, and they go in, they do the treatment, and they can leave. I only go in on Sundays, which I like because I bring products in or I just make sure that the place is clean. If anyone needs treatment that day, I'll treat them. I did have to learn that because I don't need the money from the business for myself, I am willing to outsource what I can't do while keeping my daytime job. Mm. And I'm willing to pay for that. Which is important, right? That allows you to keep your daytime job that obviously you enjoy because you still have it because you could choose to not work there, right? You could choose to just do the clinic full time, right? Yeah, I could choose to do the clinic full time. And I would make quite a bit. I wouldn't make what I make now as a school nurse. I do make six figures. But I could get there really fast. (laughs) Right. But I like the distinction of you understanding that because you have options, so options is like the keyword in this whole conversation, you're not as pressed to not be able to then outsource and hire the people you need and invest back into the business. That's a good point. Yes. And it actually keeps you sane as well. If I had to run in every single time, because at the beginning I did go in. When it first started, and it was January and winter, first of all, I was so excited. I didn't care. I had a technician, and I would still run in after work almost every day (laughs) because you need that sweat equity. You need to know that you're doing, that the treatments are being done correctly. I would go in, and it did take me some time to let go (laughs) Mm -hmm. of the control because it's your baby. It's your thing and you're growing it, but in the end, you are growing it so that it is separate from you. And it's like you are cloning yourself so that now you make double the income or triple the income. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need to look. And that's where my vision is. And that's why for me, when I saw that you posted what you just said a bit, how you're using this and it's helping you on your FI journey, I was like, wow, like I definitely wanted to talk to you because again, I feel like, you know, we all on this journey are going to take different paths and the driving force to being able to reach, whether it's pay off debt, save and invest, or ultimately reach that financial independence mark is how you manage your income and how you manage your expenses. And so I always say you can either increase your income or decrease your expenses or do a combination of both. And I think starting a business, especially a viable one and really doing the groundwork to make sure not going into debt for it is really, really a strong asset on the financial independence journey. And so I think your story hopefully will be inspiring to people listening who are considering starting a business who want to more understand because who would have thought that a lice clinic 
would make that much money. So it's like, there's so much money out there (laughs) to be made. If we like live in a world of abundance, it's really about finding that need or that service that can help other people and Mm -hmm. going after it and being smart about it. And trust me, I did not want to be known as the life lady. This was not in my plans. I was like, am I really doing this? But this is my first brick and mortar business. I love it. And I knew I loved it because I started smaller with the breastfeeding business. And I mean, I'm sure that the same thing happened with you. That energy that you said that you had and that your husband saw is infectious and you just want to create. And so you created this podcast, you created the website and the community, and I created this business out of thin air. So that's what it does when you get that power back over your money and your finances. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty powerful. So Tamika, I just want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. Is there any way where people want to find out more about you that they can find you? Well, I am in the Choose FI group. Everybody should join that. And on one of your most recent podcasts, you said that you have a Facebook group. So I will join that. Oh, yay. (laughs) Of course. And in addition, I do write at the reluctantfrugalist.com. That is a new blog. And that talks about my, I don't want to be one of these people that lives on $20,000 and is feeling deprivation all the time. So I make sure that I find ways to increase my income, not just cut my expenses. And that is all about the story. Mm, I love that because I'm kind of in a similar boat with you. (laughs) Okay, so I will link all that in the show notes so people can find your blog, choose to join the Choose FI group and my group, Journey to Launch on Facebook. So thank you so much, Tamika, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Yes, thank you for having me. Wasn't that an amazing conversation with Tamika? I really hope that you found some gems in there something you could relate to or apply to your own life. And really, it's about action. So I know you guys love listening to the podcast and you probably listen to other podcasts, right? And you're probably reading books and you really are getting a lot of information. But the real, real benefit to things like this, to the podcast, to anything is to apply, apply what you're learning and to execute. Now you can't do everything, right? So you don't want to get overwhelmed, but I really challenge you from every episode that you listen to from my podcast or whether you're reading a book is to really take at least one action item away. So if you're inspired by something, take one thing away that inspires you. And then how can you apply that to your life today? Think about it right? It's all about action. So if you want the episode show notes, once again, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 30. Thanks again to Mika for coming on and sharing your story. Just a couple updates. I actually was featured in BuzzFeed last week. So an article ran on BuzzFeed where they were talking about the unknown tips or just some great tips to save. And my tips were featured alongside with some really notable people in the personal finance space. So that was pretty exciting. So if you want to check out that article, I will link it in the show notes. Another way to keep in touch with me is to join the private Facebook community and make sure you're on my newsletter list. You can join the community by going to journeytolaunch.com slash community or you should join my weekly newsletter list. So every Wednesday, I send out a newsletter to my journeyers, just letting them know what's new, what's going on with Journey to Launch, so you won't miss a thing. 
I also actually do some low-key giveaways and just some special content for people who join me in a newsletter or in the Facebook community. So that's another reason why you may want to join. For example, I actually am giving away a free VIP ticket to the Stocks and Stilettos annual conference in Atlanta. So Cassandra Cummings of Stocks and Stilettos, she was actually episode three. She was on episode three as a guest. She's having her first annual conference and I have a ticket to give away to someone. And so I announced that in my Facebook group and on my newsletter list. So if you're not in that group, you're not on my list, you might be missing out on some amazing information and you just might want to be on it. (laughs) So join if you're interested in hearing more. And that's all I had for you guys this week. I'm so excited about all the things that are happening with myself and Journey to Launch and how this community is growing. I really, really appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next week.